Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, founder of the Lead Her Shift Movement, international best-selling author, speaker, and executive coach, affectionately known to my clients as the catalyst because I make shift happen. My purpose in life is to inspire, empower, and transform lives. I wake each morning with the mission to help you lead with confidence, speak with influence, and connect strategically by getting out of your own head so you can lead. By lead, I mean learn, experience, apply, and develop. Walking Through Glass, the podcast, is not about breaking through the glass ceiling. It is about the struggle we face on our journey, walking through the glass, fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems that get in the way of us living the life that we dream and desire. It's time to make the shift to clarity, confidence, and consistency. And today, folks, I have none other than Melanie Childers in the room with me. And let me tell you a little bit about Melanie. She is a master certified coach to badass, yeah, I said badass women ready to change the world. She works with women creating projects that dismantle the patriarchy and lead the way toward a better world for everyone. Her clients get elected, write books, and build businesses. And that makes a massive difference. She teaches them how to stop procrastinating perfecting, and finally get things done. I feel like I want to say and get shift done. So without further ado, please welcome Melanie to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. And yes, let's make shift happen. (laughs) I was reading that. I was like, okay, like, I kind of want to say, like, get shit done. And I said, okay, maybe just stick the shift done because it sounds close and maybe it'll run into each other. It is close <laughs> enough. Let's get some shift done. Let's get some shift done. I, I love, love it. That. And 
I love the fact that you are here and I'm looking forward to your value add to the conscious conversation around like who we are and how we show up, uh, but especially how we lead as women. And I know I got a chance to share like a couple tidbit tidbits about you, but what else do our listeners need to know about you as we begin to navigate this amazing conscious conversation? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like now is the most important time. I think that it's it's really easy to get our brains caught up in the crisis of it and the fear and the worry and the anxiety of it. But I think that actually now is the most important time for us to be our creative, human, inventive selves. And I think that, you know, universally we're being called to slow way down so that our brains have an opportunity to come up with new inventions and new businesses and new ideas so that we can help more and more and more people. And I think that it's what people I think don't understand. And I know what some of my clients don't get is like constraint leads to creativity. So us being like the sheltered in place and having to slow down and get creative, like gives us such an incredible opportunity. And this is our, this truly is our chance for people who are leaders and healers and change makers to step up and to step fully into that. You are a thousand, you know, percent correct. And I have felt more creative energy during this season than any other. And I've already, I'm, I'm a high creative anyway, that has like an analytic, you know, trim to her. I actually sit like smack in the middle mm-hmm. when I take all of my tests. I'm an abstract out of the box thinker that then has a superpower to scaffold. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't realize it was a superpower until someone started paying me for it. And I thought, how do you think like that? And I was like, like what? Doesn't everybody do this? And and I found that during this time, and also I'm an ambivert. I love my quiet. I I actually grow and thrive in my quiet times. And though when I'm out, because I'm a speaker and I'm interacting and I give off a lot of energy, people are drawn to me. So they see me gregarious and interactive, Mm -hmm. but they don't realize what it took for me to be out in that space. And then if I haven't grounded myself, which I then learned later to do, is that I'm sapped. And then I got to go in and recover. But this kind of shelter in place space has been like, (laughs) right. Yeah. I'm exactly the same way. Like I'm, when I'm out there, I am out and I am present and I am gregarious and engaging. And when I'm home, I'm like, yay, I can take a breath. (laughs) Yeah. Where I even stopped and I had to kind of really do some inner reflection because I was like, okay, got to the point where I didn't want to make any commitments because I wasn't sure if I would actually show up. So, and I, when I mean commitments, I meant if you said, Hey, let's go to the movie at seven o'clock, huh? Can we just go if I'm ready at that time? But mm, I don't want to say I'm going mm-hmm. because it's five thirty, and I'm like I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to then talk myself off the couch or out of the bed or go get dressed. Now, once I start getting dressed and moving, I'm okay. But it really took an act of Congress, literally, you know, to get me going. And I realized that I just like it because I am out. I am speaking. I am. Tra- I'm doing that the majority of my time before, you know, this situation. So I value the time to do nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Just think. I just sit and think, or I just sit and read, or you know, I love that time. And so, but I realize that this isn't for everyone. And I realize that some people are truly, like you said, in a state of panic. And so, how are you helping, like, feminist get shit done? even during this pandemic time. What's your, how are, how are you flipping or switching things up to still serve? Sure. Well, first I want to address like my definition of feminist is truly about equality, not just for white men. So when I say that, I do mean that in an intersectional way. And I do mean that for everyone, for no matter how you identify as your gender or your sexuality or, or whoever you are as a human, I feel like that applies to let's get on equal footing for everybody. So mm-hmm. when I say that I'm helping people get shift done, even during a pandemic, what I mean is like literally helping them, teaching them how to ground themselves, how to be present in the moment, to move away from that natural human fear, panic response. And so what, what I've been teaching my group, I have a group on Facebook called Badass Feminists Get Shit Done. And I know, so fun. (laughs) We have so much fun there. Um, But last week I did, I went live every single day and was like, okay, let's come to being grounded. Let's understand that what we're feeling right now is a natural cave person, human response to let's go check and see is the tiger outside of the cave. And that's our us checking the news and scrolling social media and getting more and more and more information that actually has the opposite result of what we want to create. So we think, oh, I'm going to have more information and that will calm me down, but it actually revs up our nervous system and right. keeps us on high alert and keeps us afraid. And so we come to a place of, of what I call neutral, which is a grounded, calm place in our brain where we send ourselves compassion for our natural human response so that we can then shift our thinking to who do I want to be today? How do I want to show up today? How can I lead today without being a a nervous wreck? Yeah. How can I get beyond my perfectionism today? How can I get past the part of me that wants to procrastinate? What's the value of what I want to create in the world? Why is now the right time to do it? So that they get themselves asking these questions of themselves and finding answers and feeling better and thinking better thoughts on purpose intentionally so that their actions are different and their results are different. Wow. So many nuggets that were there and so many keys um, that you shared. And two of one of my favorite words were used. One is being intentional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) about this, about this process. And of course, at the very beginning, I love the whole shift piece, but I, (laughs) I realized that not everyone is consciously focused. And what I mean by that is that we get so used to operating on autopilot again, of course, 90% of the time, that's where we are. And what you're speaking to and about is that amygdala and that reptilian Mm -hmm. brain. And, you know, we have to sometimes call it really what it is. And so for people who they go, I don't know why I'm doing this. 
And they keep saying, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why. Well, there is a reason. There is some tape. There is some residual um, life stories that are embedded that cause you to react instead of to respond. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at the news and you're looking at and you're getting those Facebook inboxes and, you know, pair requests and phone calls and you're seeing all of that, then of course, subconsciously, you're still triggered. Yeah. And you're triggered all the way back. I mean, it's not just, and, you know, people may, may not agree. I'm not asking for um, validation, um, but you're welcome to feed, you know, probably any feedback. You're reacting to tape that is present even before you're conscious now. Yeah. And like you said, is a tiger still out there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I going to eat? Are yeah. we in a state of famine? And so at a cellular level, I don't want to get to, you know, whatever people, but I want you to, to see and understand and to hear that there's more to the story. There's more to your story as to why you are responding a certain way. And I have people telling clients, like, I'm just so afraid right now. And I don't even know why, because, you know, I'm still working. We're pretty, hell- you know, this is how my, I'm so afraid. And I say, because this isn't a trigger. <laughs> yeah. Something. Well, and I think it's so important because what, what we're calling on people to do is become aware of what's happening under the surface. And so, yeah, I'm hearing that a lot too. They're like, I know logically most of us are going to be fine, yes. but I'm still scared. And it's like, you're still scared because there are thoughts and feelings happening under the surface of what your logic brain is saying to you that's causing this like war and this fight in your brain. And we don't know which part of us to listen to. We're like, should I listen to the scared part or should I listen to the logical part? Both. They both serve you. Yeah, right? Scared one is saying, keep your butt at home, quit going out and don't go to that social gathering. Right. Um, please, please. Please stay home. You know, <laughs> and then the logical part is like, okay, I do have a safe haven, you know, at home. I have these, you know, these different things and access to it. And and that's the part that, like you say, that what do we react to? And our brains are always storing and collecting. So it is critical that you are conscious and you monitor what you are reading, what you are listening to, okay? Because all of that, you might think that it's not going in. And, you know, I'm not going to get into cognitive behavioral therapy and all of that during the show. But really, that's what it is. If you understand neurologically how your brain works and how it's filtering, things and placing things in certain spaces and places, then you would do like the people said, stop watching every single broadcast. Stop listening to everyone. Go, if you want some information, cause you need to go to the CDC and read some specifics, you know, about it. Don't read all the, I stopped. I don't watch the news. Number one, I do. I read certain elements and certain pieces, and this is nothing because of the pandemic. I, a lot because it was so much negative energy from that, that at certain times I was just very triggered. Yeah. And so until I got 
clear about what, okay, what about this is triggering me? And I had to go do some work, sit some quiet meditation, ask myself tough questions. That's the other thing I love to do, ask questions. But I go and I have scheduled time <laughs> to check in because I know that it's not practical for me in the way my brain and situation up to just ignore all of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to be every hour on the hour, every 10 minutes on the 10 minutes. Yeah. Checking. Yeah. And that's what I've been encouraging people to do too, is like, stop scrolling social media, stop going to the news. You don't need more information on rates of infection and death cases. Like schedule a time, make it once or twice or three times a day. If that, if it feels really important for you to be informed and then set a timer at that time, like don't give yourself more than 10 minutes. And then you need to get up when the timer goes off, get up and go do something that to burn off that adrenaline that you've created in your system and that cortisol that you've created in your bloodstream. Because what happens is, and I, I know a lot of people don't necessarily know this, but what happens is like the world can be happening out there, but we get to decide what we think about it, what it means to us with our thoughts, with our intentional thoughts. And as, as you were speaking about, we have this default programming of who we've always been, what we believe about ourselves, what we've let other people say to us and what we've taken on as their meaning about us. And we respond from that automatic default place. It's almost like our brain is like a computer and it takes all in all of this programming and that becomes who we are. But at at some point, once you become aware of those things, you get to decide and you who you are going to be and you get to decide what things mean. So the way that that I used to one of the ways that I used to prove this is like not everybody thinks that this is a crisis. Right. Not everybody thinks the stock market dropping is a big deal. No, right? I can know that those things are neutral circumstances because not everyone is freaking out about it. Not everyone and and that's not to say that I don't think it's a crisis. I do think it's an, it's a it's a problem. But the if I let myself think, oh my god, it's a problem, it's a problem, it's a problem, it's a crisis, I'm going to go into that fear place and that's not my place of power. That place right. doesn't allow me to make a difference. And so what I'd have to intentionally bring myself to is yes, this is this is happening and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Who do I want to be in the face of it? It's a, it's a, for me, how I've shared with people, it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. 100%. Put that in different. It's an opportunity. Yeah. How you process the opportunity is up to you. Yeah. And there's an opportunity to shift. There's an opportunity for some people to, they don't need to shift. They just need to pivot and change direction a little bit, but some people need to move into something new. Something you said earlier on is the fact that um, innovation happens. Mm-hmm you know, during these times. And you think about, and I think I saw a post the other day, they said during um, the last recession, these um, companies were started, you know, and one of them was Tesla. I mean, it just went down the line and they're like, okay, these things actually occurred. But I believe this is a great opportunity for an awakening. Absolutely. A huge awakening and a call to action. Yep. An environmental call to action. I do have my own um, beliefs in regards to 
the fact that this is a form of biochemical warfare. This is not just a natural, <laughs> oh, this germ virus just puffed up and now it's spreading everywhere. This has the hands of creation all over it, you know, um, and especially the ways that, you know, that mutates. How and the whys, I don't, you know, have, but I know in my, in my soul, it, was, it didn't just happen <laughs> uh, naturally. I don't feel that. But I do believe that the way that it has spread has given rise to a phenomenal opportunity and an awakening about how we live, what we value, who we value, mm-hmm. how do we spend more time. And this may sound a little crazy because it sounded crazy to me when I first was thinking about it. <laughs> but when you stay up late, you think about it a lot. And it was, I feel like it was a collective manifestation of what we've been asking for. I need more time. I don't have enough time with my family. I don't have any time to rest. I don't want, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to work. And people were speaking that. Yeah. And the earth needs to heal. We need to turn everything off. We need to start over. It's like, hey, wish granted. (laughs) Right. That's what I mean by, and whatever we speak it, we bring to fruition. And so I was hearing a lot from constant people, a lot of those various things. And I wish I could do this. And so that's why I said it's an opportunity. Well, guess what? You got your wish. What are you getting ready to do with this? Yeah. You have time with your kids. Now you don't want to be home with your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to read books. And I know financially that this is taking a toll. For sure. On, on people. I know that. So I am not. It's taking a financial t- toll for me. But I'm not sitting in, woe is me. I'm sitting in, what can I do? Yeah. And how can I serve? And actually now utilize this time to make that shift that had been in progress instead of the slow turn, I actually have a whip (laughs) that I can do. And so that's the energy. And like I said, I've been at my, my highest creative time, you know, like writing, seeing, you know, visualizing, um, supporting, you know, um, those that I serve, you know, working with clients to pay, make, turns in their business, you know, working with women to really reframe their mindset. And I was sitting there going, okay, I, this may sound interesting. And I know it is because it's interesting and fascinating to me is that earlier this year, when I went back, actually it was end of 2019 and in my prayer meditation time, and I'm a woman of faith and I was praying about, you know, what's happening next. And I live my life in seasons Mm-hmm. Um, not in years, but in seasons. And it was whispered and I said, this is a season of unstoppable. And I said, well, what is that? I don't, you know, and I believe there's three things that you need in order to really live the life you d- dream and desire. And that's clarity, confidence, and consistency. If Absolutely. anyone knows missing, something's going to be awry. And if they're all there, you're in your sweet spot. And so he said, well, you have the clarity and the confidence down, but your consistency needs some twerking. <laughs> twerking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not twerking. Like, <laughs> it was popping, y'all. It was jumping and popping. I mean, um, it works. It was popping, you know. But <laughs> I sat there and I sat in it. And as I had the divine download and I start to say, okay, what's next for me? 
And for those of you that may be new listeners and haven't really gotten a, a sense of, again, my background is that in 2016, I made a huge tremendous, not only career shift, life shift, social, emotional, everything shift um, for myself. I mean, you know, to the fact that I went into a transitional depression even to go through things. But in the midst of it all, it's like I have worked a lot on other people's dreams and projects and gifts. And I think it and help them create it and I pull it together. But I've set on the shelf what it looks like for me. And I had the divine download a couple of years ago of what I wanted and needed to build. And, but something else, and I call it the Dory complex, <laughs> something comes up, Ooh, squirrel. And I jump over there and I'm helping and I'm working. And then it got to the point of, it wasn't so much that I, it wasn't a distracted space because I always knew and I was creating, but I was keeping this arsenal of things I was creating while simultaneously creating things for my clients. And many of my clients are coaches. Mm-hmm. And so helping them create programs and, and systems and operations and stuff is one of the sweet spots for me. So I was like, okay, so what? They go, well, when are you going to, it's your turn. I was like, oh, well, you started and you stopped. And he says, I need you to understand. And I need you to enter the season of unstoppable. And I said, okay. He said, you know, I've always been triggered by when people say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. For the record, y'all, that is irritating to me. A thong is uncomfortable and you wear it and you're okay. You know what I mean? (laughs) Your outfit looks cute and you still keep moving. So for some people, that's great. Get your thong on, wear it and get comfortable being uncomfortable with your thong. He said, but we're entering a season of unstoppable. I need you to teach people how to persist while under siege. Amen. Because here it is. (laughs) That's what faith is. is, That's what faith really is. So don't believe your lying eyes and deceiving ears. Move when I say move. If things don't line up, do it anyway. Because provision will meet you where you step, not where you stand. Mm -hmm. And so when all looks awry, and it all looks blurry, still move. And that's what unstoppable means is taking your want and really having it transform. Okay. Transmutate into desire. And that means you will stop at nothing to get to. And he said, that is the season. And you are not to be the wind beneath somebody's wings. You're to be the eagle to teach them how to fly. Absolutely. And so come from behind the curtain and actually step into the stage in the space I called you to be. I'm comfortable there. So it was never, I'm not afraid of stage and speaking. No, I, but I didn't really promote my own things. I didn't do. So what came out of that whole, um, I felt like I had, you know, went into um, one of the Native Americans, like, <laughs> ceremonies. I mean, it was like a week of crying, peeling, pulling. I mean, it was deep for me, but I said, okay, what does that look like? And what I had already had sitting there was, I said before, I'm unstoppable. And I said, I'm not going to build and host and, and, you know, do someone else's conference for the first time. I'm going to host my own. And it's the, I am unstoppable conference in October in San Diego. Amazing. Theme is called Dare to Dream. 
And I said, because I start hearing a lot of people weren't dreaming anymore or they're fearful of their dreams. They don't know how to manifest their dreams. They don't know how to take action. Like you said, they get stuck in procrastinating and perfecting and, and they don't get it done. And so as I've been on this journey to implement everything that's been there, I was like, oh, and the other cool thing is that I'm launching because it's not just about me. So I said, okay, God, you know, I'm not just about me. What birthed from that was the Unstoppable Woman Awards. So this will be an annual event where we honor other unstoppable women. I love it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing because guess what? It also birthed the Unstoppable Woman Magazine, which will be an annual magazine that coincides with the conference and um, the award. And it was it was in that where I had to kind of do to stop procrastinating for my dreams. Stop trying to wait till it was perfect. I had all the pieces. Yeah. Perfect. And I just had to get it done. And as soon as I put it out there, I went, I went and booked the place. I booked the date. I just started telling people last year and they're like, next year you're setting? Yep. I'm moving now. Everything started falling into place. So the work that you do is powerful the words that you speak into your clients and others is powerful. And what we're saying to ourselves during this, you know, pandemonium, you know, is really critical. Absolutely. Well, and I I, I want to speak to like, your. yeah, (laughs) I want to speak to your thoughts about consistency, about you said clarity, confidence, and consistency. And to me, what creates consistency is a choice and a decision. Yes. And it's, it's not just deciding to be consistent, but it's deciding to choose the next version of you that has what you want already. Yes. That next version of you that, that launches the speaking series and the magazine and the awards. Like what you did was you decided I'm going to step into that now a year ahead of time. Let's make it happen. I'm choosing this next version of me and it's going to be amazing. And when and, you when you totally stick with that, and when everyone else like decides, I'm choosing what I choose for myself is like discipline and love at the same time, so that I go after my dreams every day. Mm. When I choose discipline and love for myself, and I choose to step into my next version of me, which is a multi million dollar corporation, that feels so right and so on point, and I can make better decisions and think better thoughts about what's possible. And it's like the whole world opens up when you think that way. It is. And shortly following that, again, life began to happen. Mm -hmm. Things began to, and it was like, okay, so what are you going to believe? Your lying eyes, your deceiving ears, or are you going to move anyway? And I literally just, what was it? February? locked in on the location. I'm like, I don't know. I'll know the space when I see it. It needs to have a lot of light. It needs to have X, Y, Z. I don't want a traditional hotel, you know? Yeah. And I kept saying, oh, I'm still not finding the space. I know what I want to do. Um, but life began to happen. Yeah. And then we had this and things canceled. So my other events that were prior to canceled opportunities, <laughs> just situation, things just going and, and it was like, okay, so do I cancel this? No, I'm still going to move. Yep. I'm still doing it. You know, this was coming up. I'm still doing it. And I said, oh, okay, God, that's what you meant. 
do it? Am I going to do it anyway? Am I going to move anyway? Am I going to, you know, act anyway? <laughs> and I just said, yes, I'm going to still keep moving in that direction because the old me would have been like, holy cow, I don't want to pay the deposits on this, you know, to secure the location, you know, this far in advance and it might get canceled or, you know, my income has been impacted because the events or my trainings and people are, you know, all of the um, other streams are actually starting to trickle, you know, mm-hmm. again, provisional meet you where you step. And I was like, okay, I'm still doing it anyway, you know? And so I felt that in this season, for those of you that are listening out there, and I know we all have different lives and I have, and if you want to talk about emotional, my son just turned 18, March 2nd. He's a senior. This is his senior year. Mm-hmm. He's my only. And his senior year's impacted. No prom, no CDs, AP testing canceled, SATs, backup second version canceled. We don't know if they're going to have graduation. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about emotional and, and the struggle that we had to get to this point? Trust me, I'm going through some things too. Yeah, no doubt. It's a season of uncertainty, yeah? <laughs> a season of uncertainty. But I have a choice, like you said. How am I going to process this? What am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, evolve? How is this part of the plan to evolving to my greater self? Yeah. That's what I think. And so that's why I say, how is this part of it? Okay, I know it's part of it. And as a lover of writing and, and sharing, presenting, is that I've been able to fine-tune the Lead Her Shift platform as a whole instead of the pieces that were there yeah. um, to create the programming that's there for women to help again shift the way they learn, experience, apply, and develop who they are to be the best version of who they are, yeah. not a, a bastardized version of me, and how to shift the thinking. And and so one of the things that you were asking before um, we came out in, in my relation to John Maxwell team, et cetera, and, and some things that we're doing is that we just actually finished a virtual leadership summit. That was complimentary, um, March 22nd to the 25th. It was called Leading Through Crisis. <laughs> Brilliant. And it broke it down. And so as an executive director of the John Maxwell team, I'm actually going to um, be sharing the content and the coursework on my Facebook page and in my groups, um, complimentary and offering free webinars and session to organizations that where there are people they're in the midst and their psychological safety of their staff is in the toilet, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, to be able to do that. And so that's kind of key um, for me right now. In addition to that, I've always loved writing and um, way with words um, publishing is my publishing company. So I actually help women tell their stories and share their truth and, and added bonuses to even live that truth through their narratives. And so I've started doing some writing masterclasses. I get a lot of questions on how do I, you know, (laughs) how do I get started? What do I do? And as a former um, English teacher, creative writing teacher, I am actually a certified writing coach. I 
was an educator over 25 years um, and a school administrator almost 10 of those years um, to do that. So that is my background. Yeah. I think and, that that's amazing. And I'm so glad that y'all are doing the the leadership in crisis training and that it's free and shareable. I think that's brilliant. Free and shareable. And then I have to deal with the mindset space is also um, I'm in the process of recording and sharing about how to really begin and to manage the mindset because you can't lead in the crisis if your mind is all over the place. Oh, 100%. If you're terrified, everybody else is going to be terrified. Everybody else is going to be terrified. So helping people begin to understand their I am and manage their mindset and not only manage it, but once they can manage it, to begin to master it. And part of that mastery goes back to what you were saying in the very beginning about how you lead and, and, and moving past everything to get things done and that it doesn't have to be perfect. You just got to have progress. Yep. And I I think it's so important to be able to manage our own fear and anxiety because when, when we're afraid and we're showing up and leading from a place of fear, people can sense it. People can feel it in the room and they get anxious and they get nervous and they start to act out and not do the things that your, your words are saying for them to do, but they respond to what they're picking up non-verbally from you. And so what you think and what you feel when people talk about your energy and your vibe, that is it. It is what you think. It is what you feel. It's what you radiate to the world. And so when we're managing that, we have to find that grounded place of calm and confidence. And often when I'm thinking that way, I'm the thoughts that I use that help me get there are, I know exactly what to do. Mm. I know exactly how to handle this. And if I need to, if my brain is like, no, you don't, I come with, it's possible that I know exactly what to do. Let me go find the evidence. Let me go make a list of all the ways I know exactly what to do right now. And that helps like refocus my brain on, yes, I do. I know how to lead. I know how to coach people. I know how to help people. Mm -hmm. I know how to lift them out of this. I do it for myself. I have this nice long list of evidence of all the ways that that works. And when we can rely on that, when we can redirect our brain to that list and remind ourselves more and more often, our most practiced thought becomes our reality. Wow. It becomes who we are and how we lead. That's really powerful. And I know like, wow. All right. I know like we can probably, I can actually talk about this like forever, but unfortunately, you know, I decided, you know what, these are, I'm going with more like 45, 40 minute shows. (laughs) I think like we just get into the mood of it and it's so much more. And I'm actually also um, putting together um, a virtual summit. I love it. Um, that's breaking down. And so we'll definitely be reaching out to some amazing women that have been on the show um, to record some really powerful content um, to, again, to be able to help do that. Like I know like to help people in their business space and how to, how to make money and is great too. But what I've seen is this huge call to action is to help people manage their wellness, mm-hmm. <laughs> their mindfulness and their mindset and their ability to move and make the shifts that they need. And, and so I've been 
processing through that too is where where can I serve and how can I serve? I don't sew, so no, I can't make a mask. <laughs> <laughs> but what I can do, I can be a resource. I can be a bridge um, of clarity between that chaos and confusion that is happening when it all seems to be crashing in yeah, on exactly. some people. And so I've said, go, okay, how do I do that? And I'm up at night putting together um, things and we'll definitely um, be sharing and, and adding. And so I know I had, um, I got so caught up in all the amazingness you were saying, I didn't even ask my qualifying question that I said, I was going to start asking everybody now is that we've talked through it, but when you hear the terms and the words, you know, walking through glass, what and how does that resonate with you? and what you do or with who you work with, what visual comes to mind or metaphoric visual comes to mind uh, when you hear that term? Mm. What's funny before your podcast, I had never heard of that before. And so I thought, what an interesting way to think about it. And I think to me and for, for my clients and, and the people that I coach, when we're thinking about walking through glass, we're not just thinking about getting to the next level. We're also thinking about how do I use my mind to like create a shield for me so that mm-hmm. even if there are splinters, I know how to heal myself so that even if I get cut, I know how to heal. I know how to manage my brain about it so that even as I'm leveling up and becoming who I want to be and going after my dreams, no matter what anybody says or does to me, I know what's true in my brain. And I know how to coach myself to keep myself going, no matter what's happening and no matter what anybody else thinks of me. Wow. I love that. I love that. And I, I and- really think that that's the work that you know folks like you and I do is like we help people like build their emotional resilience so Ooh, that... Yeah. So that no matter what, no matter what, if somebody criticizes you or if somebody thinks you're not doing a good job or if somebody's feedback is painful or if somebody yells or screams at you or shouts you down online, it's like, okay, they can have their opinions about me and I'm okay. Wow. And you're right. That is the work. And so I started asking that question before I used to get on. I say, okay, why did I name you walking glass? Cause I get the question. I did pretty much coin. I didn't, of course, if you research it, you'll see people walking through actual glass, mm-hmm. but metaphorically speaking, I can honestly say I coined <laughs> that concept. And, and it came about when, in doing some work and working with some amazing women, you know, high performance women, uh, women that are in the C-suite, they've broken through the ceiling. They're in male dominated fields. They're doing bestial work. They have high visibility, but yet in working with them, they were broken little girls. Absolutely. And so their anxiety levels were high. They had um, self-esteem issues, everything that you, you mentioned, and they're in that space and they can perform their job. 
But really what it was, was the inner critic, the negative self-talk and all of the things of what I call walking through the glass, because when you shatter the glass ceiling, and again, another one of those little pet peeve things for me. Yeah. Y'all I probably got a few. Okay. Um, but people, say, you know, you got to break through the glass ceiling and in every show and every article, I go to a woman's conference, I go to a leadership summit, I'm speaking at them, I'm facilitating them. And it's all about breaking through the ceiling. Right. And so, and everybody's there, rah, rah, teach me my power pose. Yes, I'm breaking through the ceiling. Teach me about a mentor. Teach me about a sponsor. Yes. But I said, it was, again, I get these divine downloads. (laughs) It was like, but who's helping them walk through the glass? It just whispered in my ear. Yeah. I pulled over. I was driving at the time. I think a lot when I'm driving. I pulled over and I just started writing it all down. And I said, oh, that's what it is. It's walking through the glass. So the book and the guidebook, the manual will be out later this year on what does it take? This is the how-to guide to walk through the glass, how to be significant in a male-dominated world. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important to teach women how to, and again, I think this is the work that we do, is how to believe in themselves. Yes. So that when they get there, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. We don't hide ourselves. We don't be afraid of being visible. We believe a hundred percent. We have to retrain our brains to believe in ourselves, no matter what anybody else thinks. But here's, here's, here's a, a, even a bigger caveat, not just to believe, but we first got to love ourselves. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And if we don't love who we are, we can't believe in who we are or what we are becoming. Yeah. And I, joking, not jokingly, about two years ago, I told people I was launching the Selfish Mommy Movement because <laughs> I said, I am going to love on myself on purpose with purpose. Mm-hmm. Even when it comes to choosing between myself and my child. Now, disclaimer, I'm not talking about starving. I'm not talking about food. I'm not talking about all of those things basic needs. What I'm saying is that for those of you that are mothers or super aunties or, you know, besties and you have godchildren, et cetera, even some of your, your, your pet babies. Okay. Is that you can have the fact that you're going to go to a spa day or have a whatever day. And one of those things, children, whatever goes, Oh, by the way, this came up. Why didn't you tell me that I could have scheduled it? Oh, I want to go here, can you take me? How often do we then do abandon our our me time? Mm-hmm. Go do because Johnny has to get to that game. Johnny has to go, but Johnny, you just told me about it this morning, and you know that we have expectations that you give me a heads up. I can put it in the calendar, you know. But how often do we abandon our our boundaries? for those we care about. And that's when I like to say, that's when no hurts because we're saying no to ourselves. And I said, the selfish mommy movement was putting the me back in time. Absolutely. I made that up too. So, <laughs> But I think that that's such a, such a, a huge thing, especially for women, because we don't prioritize ourselves. We don't put ourselves first. And so when something else comes up, we go, oh, well, I guess I can't have what I was going to do for me. And that's a thought. That's a decision. It doesn't mean that that's the choice you have to make. 
You truly get to prioritize you if you want to. It doesn't make you selfish. It makes you self-loving. But how, and I, and I promise guys, I'm not going to, cause we can get dead into this next piece and we might have to. Another episode. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah. Is that, but how much of our tape was that if you thought about yourself first, said that you were selfish mm-hmm. for sure. And depending on your family dynamics. And I was reading this study and they were doing comparatives about the differences, um, the sense of entitlement and why certain people feel entitled mm-hmm. and start to look at their backgrounds of why people go, well, I don't understand why they don't get this. Well, guess what? They heard their whole life. You can have it all. The world is yours. Yep. Go after what you want. <laughs> yeah. You're a princess. You're beautiful. You can have. Yeah. That's what they heard. That's what was spoken into and if they, if we're talking about people with that whole concept of a silver spoon, right? Mm-hmm. And you why do people who are born into wealth seem to have a blockage about people that aren't? Well, and, or they just don't, they don't have a filter. They go, I can, I can go, I can have it. Well, because all they hurt their life, again, if they hurt that, because again, some didn't have the same beautiful experiences. So I don't want to generalize, but those that did. Yeah. So their tape says, you can have it. Oh, you didn't get it right the first time. You messed up. So what? Go do it again. Oh, guess what? Use your networks. Okay, guess what? And so all of that was part of the tape. And one of the now growing up, again, on my other pet peeve phrase, y'all. Maybe I'll start a whole show about that. <laughs> Here, how, how, and this, I don't use this word often. So know that this is a big deal. It's like a cuss word for me. How stupid is it to say to people, you want your cake and eat it too. Well, hell, ain't it my cake? Shouldn't I want to eat it? Right? I mean, like, I used to, what I get this for? Just look at it. I used to think it all the time. You want your cake. You know why I say it? Because that's what I heard growing up. You want your cake and eat it too. And when I started thinking about it consciously, I was like, that's the stupidest thing to say. Why wouldn't you want your cake? Exactly. Yes, please. <laughs> But can you? And I'm frosting and a layer in between. (laughs) So, and I challenge you, those that are listening, right? Go through all the idioms that you've said. Maybe that's why they were called, you know, (laughs) idioms. But go through all of the ones that you grew up with, right? The songs, the skip songs, and everything that, you know, um, if you step on a crack, you're going to break your mama's back. Mm -hmm. Why not your daddy's? Right. I'm just saying, like, when, when it, it's these different Grimm's fairy tales, right? <laughs> that yeah. we spoke and then we shared with our kids, and then we shared with our kids. And like, they always say, I don't want to become my mom or my dad, but what do you grow up to be? Your mom and your dad. You're using their euphemism, you're using their language and their everything, their lingo. Yeah. Our brains auto, auto, like, automatically adopt what we're surrounded by. And what we hear all of our lives becomes the tape that we play in our brain over and over and over again. And so much of those tapes stem from, especially women, keeping women small and keeping us, quote, in our place and keeping us, you know, doing the things that we've always done, whatever that is in your family or in your generation or in your culture. And so when we're thinking about like, we got to walk through that glass, we have to be able to see it all within ourselves for what it is. Mm-hmm. 
That's the fear. That's the negative self-talk. And after walking through glass, when I finished that, um, I have another book that's in process, but because I didn't want to have squirrel moments, I just put it to the side and I add tidbits as I go. But the title of that book is called Shut Up Heffa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't, no, you have to say more. <laughs> say, say more. <laughs> okay. So our inner critic, as we know, <laughs> I name <laughs> just... And I, I talk to it. You have to make the unconscious conscious. And so the inner critic, the heifer, who's always reminding you of when you got it wrong, the person you messed up with, the things that, and it's there to protect you again. It's that, okay, are you sure the lion and tiger and the bears aren't going to come get us? And so yeah. that keeps you afraid and anxiety and gets your heart rate up and wants to remind you whenever you want to try something new. Remember you failed the last time. Yeah. That happened. Right? Yep. Don't you put it like that heifer? She's and loud too. <laughs> so I named my inner critic and my inner bully. Mm-hmm. And I talked to her when she pops up in times of um, change, is when it really happens, times of uncertainty. And when you're getting ready to make a big move or you're getting ready to shift, wants to remind you. That maybe, you know, you, well, why did you plant that plant if you were going to move? See, look, at you, you, that, that's a heifer. Mm-hmm. So whenever that voice starts, we have a conversation on my ground, not hers. And what I mean by that is that's that amygdala. That's that little piece in your brain that has been storing everything since before you were even thought of, you know, because the unique fact is that the eggs you know, you were, your, your mom had all her eggs at birth and her mom had all the eggs at birth. So we talk about that generational psyche thing. I'm not yeah. going into that all this time. Yeah. Maybe that's, <laughs> but just so you know, I deal a lot in NLP, neurolinguistic programming, cognitive behavioral um, therapy, understanding how the brain works. So um, I'm a super nerd, but super fabulous same. <laughs> yeah, just to give you all some framework of, you know, she's not just talking crazy. I just kind of make it sexy. So that's why it's shut up heffa. So the fact that if I am fighting her in her head, I don't know about you guys, have you ever had an argument in your head? Oh, yeah. You can't win. Yeah. You get more and more depressed. You get more and more whatever because that inner bully is coming at you with every arsenal, things you forgot. And you're now triggered and reminded of. But if you shift and make the unconscious conscious, you bring it to the now, you're able to think through it and process past the trigger. And the hell ain't going nowhere. She with you for life. (laughs) But how do you mitigate that? Once you become aware, once you begin to spend that time and to, to go back and dig in, but I tell people, if you got to work on some things and you were quiet, don't try to do all of them. Pick one. And so I bring it to the forefront and we talk about it. And I actually talk about it out loud yeah. or I put it on paper. I don't keep it in my head because now I'm impressing a new memory, a new understanding. There's a paradigm shift because consciously I have new information. And that's why. Again, I name the Heffa. <laughs> yeah. I think such a, such a huge piece of that to me is knowing that those thoughts are always going to be there. 
and we're not trying to stop them and we're not trying to fight them. That right. we are coming in with compassion for who we have been and what we have learned and what we have been raised with, and then making that conscious decision to shift. Like, okay, even if I messed that up a hundred years ago, I can still stand here in this moment and love the part of me that messed up and still decide to move forward. Absolutely. And I always say, well, I'm not who I'm used to be. Like she'll say, oh, you know, again, like I said, I've been married. I've been divorced twice. Um, there's there's a lot of things that are in my treasure chest. Chest. I don't like to say skeletons in the closet. I call it a treasure chest because I'm going to be using all of that mm-hmm. <laughs> to monetize it. But um, and when you're stepping out on something and you get that pin, that belly and, you know, that anxiety. And even the Mayo Clinic, they'll teach you that five finger therapy. So, or that's what tapping is. And the people, if you're familiar, like with tapping, EFT, yeah. um, start tapping those, those points to bring you to present because you cannot think when you're caught in that other state. Yeah. And so nothing's going to be reasonable or rational. Yep. And we and make so, terrible decisions from that place too. Terrible decisions from that place. That's how you got with that jerk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that's how you, you know, spent that money you shouldn't have. That's how you gambled away, you know, all of that. And so, but here's the beauty of this. And I want to share this before like we wrap up is that, we operate 90% of the time on the subconscious on autopilot. Have you ever been driving and you're not even going to work at Saturday and you're heading to work because you're on autopilot and you're like, oh, wait, I wasn't going here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, your whole life pretty much is like that unless you're conscious. Yeah. Okay. Unless you're, let's say, unless you're woke. So research shows there's only one time that that subconscious doesn't overrule and keep you in that um, perpetual pattern is when you're in love and when love exists. That's why you can see the mom lift the car and throw it off because her baby's there. That's when you know you realize that, oh my gosh, I fall in love with this guy. He can have my money, my car, my kids, my mama, everybody. That's what, <laughs> but here's what the work I'm doing now is teaching women how to fall madly, totally in love with themselves. Amen. And when you fall in love with yourself, then you can battle. And I don't, well, actually, you know what? Then you can align. I don't even like the word battle because it's not a fight. Okay. It's not a fight. It's a surrendering to love. I love me. So like when the way we started out, I know y'all like 58 minutes ago, is that how do I get to a space where someone's saying things about me? I don't believe it. I don't co-sign on it because here's my mantra. I love me, and if you do, it's a bonus. Yep. And if I don't love me and I don't show you how I love myself, then guess what? I'm inadvertently teaching you how to not love me either. And so people will watch how you treat yourself, and they will fall in line. Have you ever – think about this, y'all. you got certain friends where like you go, oh, no, I don't really say that around them because they act a certain way. If I do this, they're going to trick. So what do you do? You modify your behavior because you know how that person's going to respond to you. And then other person, oh, she don't care. I'm always late. She don't care. I do it all the time, right? They they have taught you 
how to interact. And so I'm a firm believer, I'm a firm believer in educating people on how to love me. Yeah. But it had to start with me loving me first. Absolutely. And I think when we when we sign up to unsubscribe from our negative thoughts, it's so powerful. When we decide, oh, that voice in my head might be wrong about me. I don't have to believe everything that I think about me. I don't have to make my failures mean that I'm a terrible person. Then we can have all of that compassion and love ourselves and build our confidence and self-trust at the same time. And it truly starts with, I'm going to decide not to believe all the BS in my brain, yeah, all the terrible things it has to say about me. All those belief systems, but you got to do the work, people. You got to do the work. All right, guys, we have really, I know, given you a lot to work with today. <laughs> so, That's how we do. We do almost anything and everything. And, and I encourage you to, you know, listen to this particular show over and over again, because there are so many um, pivotal points and opportunities for you to to, to kind of jot down. And if you do have questions, definitely um, leave them in the comments, review, um, give us a great review on the social platform that you use to listen to the show. We're on iTunes, Google Music Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, the whole works. But more importantly, take action and make the shift. And before we go, I definitely want to say thank you, Melanie, for everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank now you for having me. This was how amazing. Can people like find you because they're like, Hey, I want to, I want to talk more to Melanie. I want to, you know, check out what she's doing in her badassery. Where's the best way for them to connect with you? Sure. I am online at melaniechilders.com. It's M-E-L-A-N-I-E. C-H-I-L-D-E-R-S.com. And I'm on Facebook, friend me. I also have a group on Facebook called Badass Feminists Get Shit Done. And I give away lots of free, awesome, valuable content. I do a Facebook Live every Monday in that group. I'm also on Instagram at The Enlightened Badass. If you want to follow me there too, I would love to talk to you if you want help with any of the things that we've talked about today. Woo. Okay. Y'all, y'all heard it. And I'll definitely make sure that this is actually, um, in the context section. So I'll, I'll make sure that all of her information is there, um, as well. Well, you know, I'm going to end the show by saying, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening to walking through glass. I appreciate you sharing um, with those that really needed to hear this, um, particular. And I'm a firm believer that, those who are need to hear the sound of our voices and what we had to share today will be will receive that. And here's my ending thought. Know that you have the power and the authority to transform your situation. So get clear about what you really want, which will lead to you being confident about who you are called to be and allow you to stay consistent on how you are called to serve. So until next time, keep embracing the journey. We are in this together. Have a great one and looking forward to having you join us on the next episode of Walking Through Glass, the podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.